0: How's it going, everybody? Um, I'm Austin Johnson with Connor Hi. today um, for FilmGasm. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking about Zodiac today, which we're very excited about. But before we before we do that, uh, you know, I want to you know say say something about you know the recent death of um, you know those nine people in the helicopter helicopter accident in Calabasas, California. Uh, my heart's racing as I say this right now. You know, talking about obviously. Kobe Bryant and his daughter that was 13 um, two other 13 year old girls and you know some parents and a pilot so uh, very very tough situation to, to swallow to even to even properly think about because this is such a horrible accident such a horrible uh, such it was such a horrible day and this week has kind of had a haze you know there's been a haze in the the um, not just the American culture but kind of the, the culture of the entire world yeah everybody's kind of shocked by this and shook up by it. Um, and today, um, I'm, I'm obviously we, you know, I'm a big basketball fan. We've talked about this on filmgasm, um, uh, you know, took this pretty hard. Kobe Bryant, you know, destroyed the Spurs a lot (laughs) and I'm a big, big Spurs fan. And, uh, you know, I have nothing but respect for him as a player. He, he he was an absolute monster on the court. Um, and it looked like he was really, really doing something with, um, his daughter that was really special on the court coaching and, uh his other three daughters, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, uh, it's just kind of a shattering, shattering thing, um, for anybody. Anybody who's human is affected by this. Uh, so I know Kobe Bryant would want us, uh, anybody who's doing something to do it as hard as they can, as well as they can and make it, n- make it the best. Um, and if you can't do that, do it the next time, learn from your mistakes and be better. And today we're going to have a kick-ass episode talking about Zodiac, uh, because that's what he would want. And that's what we should do is move forward strong and fast and better than ever. Uh, if, if this is what it takes to, to move as one and be a unit, then so be it. Cause, uh, that, that's kind of what we need. Um, yeah. Uh, so buckle up with us. We're here. Uh, we're going to keep, keep it moving. That's what he would want.
1: Absolutely. Straight up. That's what he would want. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's fucking do this shit. Yeah, this one's for Kobe, his daughter, and the other seven victims of that tragic crash. Between 1968 and 1974, the San Francisco Bay Area was terrorized by a sadistic, spiteful serial killer known only as the Zodiac. In addition to terrorizing the city through murder, Zodiac also sent taunting letters to the media and the police, mocking them and praising his killing spree. He also sent coded ciphers that contained hidden messages, possibly even his identity. Many of those ciphers have never been solved. Despite several suspects over the years, nobody was ever charged with the Zodiac murders, of which there were at least five, most likely more. To this day, nobody knows who the Zodiac Killer was, why he killed five people, and what made him stop. On today's episode, we take you through the 2007 crime thriller Zodiac, which tells the true story of the Zodiac Killer investigation through the eyes of three men. I'm Connor Herzegary. And I'm Austin Johnson. And you're listening to FilmGasm. Happy Wednesday, you beautiful, horror-loving sons of bitches. We've got a very special episode for you today, our second true crime movie, and a deep dive into the real-life monster that was the Zodiac Killer. Allow me to be the first to wish a happy early birthday to my esteemed colleague, Austin Johnson. Thank you, sir. Zodiac was his birthday pick, and what a great choice it was.
0: Yeah, you know it's uh, definitely one of the best movies of this century.
1: <laughs> I, I adore
0: it. You know, I we just did our decade list. Um, for you know, we did the 2010s, then we did the 2000s, and uh, I had Zodiac number two in my 2000s. So yeah, I, it's a fantastic film. Uh, I think you just watched it for the first time in like what ten years? At least, yeah. Wow, what a hell of a ride! <laughs> <laughs> I'd say
1: so. <laughs> for sure. Last week. We took on the overly long miniseries Salem's Lot and followed it with a delightful bonus on the 80s classic The Monster Squad. Hell yeah. And a bonus on last year's Korean smash hit Parasite. So if you're OCD like me and you want to listen to those in order, there's your homework. (laughs) I'm right with there with you, (laughs) man. In just two weeks, we're celebrating our 10th Weird Shit Wednesday, and we're going to use that opportunity to dive into the career of legendary character actor Philip Seymour Hoffman. Academy Award-winning actor who starred in some of the greatest films of the 90s and the 2000s before his sudden death in 2014 of a drug overdose at age 46. We'll use 20 of his best performances to discuss what he meant to the film world and the strength and pain he brought to every role he ever had. Before we get started, I have one quick update for you in The Rewind that updates our recent bonus on Parasite. So, we've discussed in past episodes that Parasite is being adapted to series for HBO by Bong Joon-ho and Adam McKay. Well, Bong Joon Ho has shined some light on new details about the series. It's going to be a limited series consisting of six episodes that reimagine the film as a six hour movie. He hopes to add in every idea he had originally that was cut for time and use this as an opportunity to expand on the world and the characters. He plans to start developing the series in March after the Oscars. I still am on the fence about this. Same. It sounds cool, but I don't want this to be like an English speaking show. I don't want this to take place in fucking California. Yeah. It, and I feel like that's the re- direction it's going to go. Otherwise, why would HBO pick it up? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm st- I'm, 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 I'm with you. I, my opinion hasn't changed. I'm still, yeah, a little hesitant. Probably check it out, but. <laughs> yeah. Probably. You know how it goes.
1: <laughs> so, before we get into the film, let's talk a bit about the Zodiac Killer and his killing spree. Oh, boy. All of his murders are depicted in great detail in the movie, which goes a long way to, towards sticking to the facts. Little is known about the Zodiac outside of what he allowed the public to know. His first known murder occurred in 1968 when he shot and killed David Arthur Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, two teenagers on Lake Herman Road in Solano County, California. His second murder was in 1969 when he shot Michael Mago and Darlene Farron in Vallejo. Michael would survive the attack, but Darlene was pronounced dead on arrival at Kaiser Foundation Hospital. Darlene likely had the strongest ties to the Zodiac, as her actions just before the murder may have indicated that she knew who was stalking her. Regrettably, she never said a name. The third murder, also in 1969, happened at Lake Berryessa in Napa County.
0: Yeah, this yeah, one. This God is grizzly. Ridiculous. Brian
1: Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were hogtied at gunpoint by a masked assailant in broad daylight and then stabbed in the back eight to ten times each. Fuck, man. Brian would survive after getting himself free and yelling for help, but Cecilia died two days later. Weird that the men survived in both of those instances. It's like they weren't the primary target. Yeah. The last confirmed victim of the Zodiac was taxi driver Paul Stein in October 1969, who was shot in the neck after picking up a fare. Zodiac stole a piece of Stein's shirt and sent fragments to the cops and media to confirm his involvement in the murder. There's a number of suspected Zodiac victims, but for the purposes of the film, the ones I've listed are the most significant to the story because they were the confirmed victims. Yes. Another possible escapee of the killer is Kathleen Johns, who was picked up by a stranger who offered to drive her to a service station. Kathleen and her infant daughter got in the stranger's car, but the stranger became immediately annoyed that she had a baby, as he didn't know and acted like this had changed his plan somehow. One of the scariest parts of the movie is when he passes a gas station and then tells Kathleen that before he kills her, he's going to throw her baby out the window. It's never been confirmed that this particular psycho was the Zodiac killer, but Kathleen got away by jumping from the moving car and screaming for help. And here is Zodiac's first letter to the San Francisco Chronicle. Quote, Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove I killed them, I shall state some facts which only I and the police know. One brand, uh, Number one, brand name of ammo, Super X. Two, ten shots were fired. Three, the boy was on his back with his feet to the car. Four, the girl was on her right side, feet to the west. That was on the Christmas murder. 4th of July. One, a girl was wearing patterned slacks. Two, the boy was also shot in the knee. Three, brand name of ammo was Western. Here is part of a cipher. The other two parts of this cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times and the San Francisco Examiner. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. In this cipher is my identity. If you do not print this cipher by the afternoon of Friday, August 1st, 1969, I will go on a kill rampage Friday night. I will cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. Imagine getting that letter. <laughs> You're a journalist working. Or at, a cartoonist. Or a cartoonist. 1969. Robert Graysmith. And this shit gets dumped in your desk. And now the entire city's in panic.
0: Well, yeah, I wouldn't be able to finish reading it if it was real. No, I mean, you know, if it was a real letter on my desk, I wouldn't be able to read it. Because this is
1: terrifying.
0: It is absolute... It's like a, you know, it's like a, yeah, it's this guy triumphing. He's His a murder- terrorist. Yeah. Straight yeah. up. Yeah. And he's, and he's telling you, yeah, put this shit in the newspaper. I'm going to, yeah. or I'm going to wreak absolute havoc. Yeah. So. The ci- I, yeah. And yeah. yeah. it's it, it one of the, you know, it's a genius way to, in, you
1: know, in our, the beginning of our movie, the actual film is just great, you know. Oh, for sure. Incredible. The cipher was broken by a couple who liked puzzles, Donald and Betty Harden. The solution read as such. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill. Something gives me the most thrilling experience and is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise and that I have killed and that the I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. And then a whole bunch of Indecipherable letters.
0: What a fucking nut. Oh, it's
1: man. crazy. Oof. And that was just one of several ciphers, and uh, that was the first letter. The rest of the letters I won't be reading because it's just too fucking disturbing. There were a number of suspects considered, but the most likely perpetrator was a man named Arthur Lee Allen. Lee, as he preferred to be called, had been fired from his teaching job after he was accused of sexual misconduct with students. His fishing buddy, Donald Cheney, went to police after Lee got drunk and told Cheney that he wanted to kill people, tape a flashlight to a gun, and call himself Zodiac. This conversation allegedly happened on January 1st, 1969, less than a month after the first murders. He owned a Zodiac brand wristwatch, which brandished the same logo that the killer signed his letters with. Lee also likely knew the third victim, Darlene Farron, as Darlene's sister said she was being stalked by a guy named Lee who gave her presents. Lee also shared the same birthday as a mysterious caller who phoned attorney Melvin Belli and claimed to be the Zodiac. He said he had to kill because it was his birthday, and that was on December 18th. Despite an overwhelming amount of circumstantial evidence, no DNA or handwriting ever implicated Lee as the Zodiac. However, the most damning evidence, I think, is the fact that the Zodiac letters stopped in 1974 just after Lee was arrested for child molestation and served two years. Lee was even identified in the 90s by survivor Mike McGough, who picked Lee's picture out of an assortment. Before he could be charged with the murders, which the police were considering, Arthur Lee Allen died of a heart attack in 1992. Was he the Zodiac? I think so, but we will likely never know for sure. What do you think about this guy?
0: Yeah, for sure. I I, I do think it's for sure. Like, I'm 100%, not just from watching the movie or anything, but yeah, it's just it, shocking the amount of evidence pointing you towards him. You can't
1: have that many... Coincidental connections to a murder like this. No. Yeah, no. It's crazy. He lived next to the second victim.
0: Yeah, and the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like you said, the stuff with it, you have the girl who's receiving gifts, and yeah, it's just, you know, come on. Dude, the the guy, the survivor picked his picture out of the lineup. Isn't that great in the movie? You you saw who that is, right? Fucking
1: Jimmy Simpson. (laughs) Yes. Fucking McPoyle. Yeah. (laughs) All that was missing was a glass of milk and a robe. (laughs) Oh, so why did you choose Zodiac for this week's episode?
0: Uh obviously you, you point out it's my, uh, my birthday's on Friday. Uh, and Zodiac is just, it's just one of those that I, I, I rewatch a lot. And I typically, I typically watch it. If this makes any sense to you, it, it feels like a winter movie to, you, oh, yeah. to, to me.
1: Yeah.
0: I feel that way a lot about a lot of, um, murder type, type movies, um, and horror movies in general. Yeah. Um, and Zodiac, obviously, is, is a little bit different. It's a genre film. It's a, you know, crime drama, crime thriller, da-da-da. You know, it's not, you know, purebred horror. I know that. Uh, we're, we're stretching ourselves and trying to pick more different things. And yeah. I, th- this is just one that has so many different elements to so many different things. Despite not being horror, it scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, it finds a way to scare you because, because it's a really good film, you know? That's, because it happened. Yeah, yeah. And they never caught him. And and, it, and the film is true to the, you know. It's, it's very true to, so, the, yeah, to the facts. Yeah, you know. Um, and Fincher's style is just already my thing. It's already kind of my, up my alley. So when he does something that's double up my alley, then it's like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, th- this is the shit. And mm-hmm. it delivers, you know. Um, Zodiac wasn't up for any Oscars.
1: Amazing. I can't believe that. 2007
0: was a tough year. No country for old men. There will be blood. But, you know, it's, it's tough stuff. But I, I yeah. just, I, I, that's shocking. The performances inside this
1: movie are really strong. Well, uh, you had mentioned before we started recording that if this had come out just 10 years later, this would be a huge hit. Yeah,
0: that's definitely a huge talking point of this film. Is Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's ahead of its time. It's episodic and it's murder. That's what people watch these days. Yeah. It's all this crazy crime We're stuff.
1: We're definitely at an age where true crime is fascinating again. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. And this is one of those, you know, Zodiac. <laughs> one of those famous, you know, infamous
1: <laughs> arguably the most famous unsolved murder
0: of yeah, all time probably yeah, especially in the united states so yeah it's yeah. just um it's just a fascinating thing and then it's a good movie yeah it, you know technically the, again the the performances are great there's some shots in here that i i i i'm obsessed with there are specific scenes you know when they uh mark ruffalo first his you know Toshki, you know they're they're with arthur lee at his work <laughs> looking at his watch It's lights out. It's like lights out stuff. The way John
1: Carroll Lynch holds uh, himself. It's insane. He is such a sociopath. You can feel it in like the way he walks, everything. He has zero remorse for anything. God, it's so brilliant. But then again, the movie never straight up tells you he was the Zodiac. No. It lets you make your own decision. Because in reality, we don't know. We can't confirm it. He was just the most likely suspect. Yes. And I'm sure that if we had arrested him, he might have talked and we might have gotten him. But he died. Yeah. Got away
0: with it. Yeah. And, and then the, uh, I think the soundtrack is, is really underrated. Oh, extremely. Um, you know, how can we be? You know, at the beginning when they're dry, then hurdy-gurdy, man, mm-hmm. you know, Fucking come God on, of stop. Yeah, get out of here. It's insane. <laughs> it's insanity. They're, at one point, you know, Marvin Gaye's playing and you got, yeah, it's just it's <laughs> so Santana's <70s>. playing. yeah, <laughs> so 70s. Is perfect. It's perfect. It's money. This movie's money. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, per- it's a 10 out of 10. I'll already say that way ahead of time. We you don't, you, 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 the people already knew that. Yeah. <laughs> If you didn't know that, you know that's just that's just how I feel. I, I love it. It's it's one of those that I'll, I'll rewatch forever. You know I'm gonna revisit it over and over. And we were bound to do it at some point, so I was like, why not choose it for the, the week of my birthday? Let's go with that one. So <laughs> uh, and the, these also are actors that I'm, I'm very you know very obsessed with. Yeah, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal has always been someone I since Darny Darko from a very young age I just had a connection to him. I just really like the way he does things. And Robert Downey Jr. What a fascinating story. This is like the first movie he does. After a rough stretch of his personal life, uh, and then and then Mark Ruffalo, Mister Reliable, Mister, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna do my fucking job, uh, you know. Yeah, he's yeah, it's Brian Cox, you know. What, come on, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love this movie. So it's gonna, be a, it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, to really to really dive into it, especially. You, I'm jealous of your perspective because you hadn't seen it for like 10 years. I'm like, oh, I, I want that fresh, <laughs> that freshness. But I've seen it like, 50, I ruined that a long time it ago. It is pretty
1: nice. It's, it's
0: <laughs> a, cr- yeah. You know, but I have that for other movies, you know. It's okay. Zodiac's just one of those all, all yeah, I just, I've owned for a long time. You know, I just, I know I always will.
1: Killer. Zodiac was released in 2007. It was based on the book Zodiac by cartoonist Robert Graysmith, who is yes. the main character of the film. It was directed by Oscar nominee David Fincher. He was nominated for directing 2008's The Curious Case of Benjamin Button and 2010's The Social Network. Yes. Some of his other films include Seven, Fight Club, The Game, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl. Not bad. He was also the driving force behind the TV shows House of Cards and Mindhunter for, not, ne- for Netflix. Not bad. The guy is a goddamn legend. He's an
0: it, artist. And he's got, I'll, I'll just let people go find out, you know, have you read anything about his newest movie that's coming out? Oh, Mink? Yeah,
1: Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Very excited about that. can't fucking wait. It's a biopic about the legendary Hollywood screenwriter who wrote Citizen Kane. (laughs) Why wouldn't... Oh, my God. And if, like, that's not something that's, like, in your wheelhouse, look it up. Read about it, because it's fucking fascinating. Go watch Citizen Kane. I've seen everything except The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Benjamin Button which are both on my list, and I will get to those. And major. they're both good, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Fincher doesn't miss, man. He's never disappointed me. The guy is yeah. incredible. Except it's for Alien 3, but that's not his fault. I, and yeah. No, he, <laughs> he that's not his movie. No, it's They changed not. everything. They took it away from yeah. him. But then he followed that with the, the fucking game, one of the greatest thrillers of the 90s.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean the, the game 7 and Fight Club is like just this ridiculous, you know, <laughs> here I am. Yeah. Here yeah. Here am. Sort of thing. And he just hasn't left. He's still... He's the man. He's, he is the man. He's awesome. You know, he's, he, and he's just, he's a director's director. Yes. 70 fucking takes for one. Scene. He controls every aspect of production. <laughs> yeah, He's like, what the hell is that cup doing? You know, it's just like, you know, like the shit that's happening on game of Thrones that last season, like oh. that would just never fucking happen on his watch. <laughs> you know, Oh man. He's just, yeah, very particular. Uh, I love, I actually love invite club. How there's like a, there's a Starbucks cup in every shot, you know, like that kind of stuff, you know, he's just, yeah, he's the man. Technical genius, you know?
1: For sure, man. He's yeah, one of the best in the game, and he brings his I, signature yeah. style to this insane story. Mm-hmm. The film stars Oscar nominee Jake Gyllenhaal as Robert Graysmith, Oof. cartoonist for the San Francisco Chronicle who becomes obsessed with solving the Zodiac murders. Gyllenhaal was nominated for his role in 2005's Brokeback Mountain, Woo! and has appeared in such films as Nightcrawler, Prisoners, Donnie Darko, End of Watch, The Day After Tomorrow, and most recently, Spider-Man: Far From Home as the villainous Mysterio. He's absurd. He's the man. He's fucking he's absurd. Incredibly have, you seen, have you seen Enemy? Enemy? No, I haven't seen that. You you would like that one too? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, yeah I'm awesome. so behind on Hall. There's so many of his I have to see.
0: Wh- which one's all, like? What's the first one you like? Definitely need to see that you haven't. Uh, prisoners. Okay. Yeah. I have. I'll let you guard that soon. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. <sighs>
1: yeah. Nightcrawler is a fucking wild movie. <laughs> what an awesome performance. <laughs> yeah. He's God scary it. in that. Uh, Look, okay. Fucking Lou Bloom. Yeah, he, yeah, <laughs> that's
0: just like one of the coolest characters of the past decade where you're just like, I, I, I'll I, never forget him. Like that's, to me, John Hall has had a lot of, a lot of really cool performances, but that's one where I'm like, I know like he looked a certain way. He acted, he, he was on it in that movie. He was yeah. like a fucking lizard.
1: It was creepy. <laughs> His hair. There's, oh. no, there's no soul in that. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oscar nominee Mark Ruffalo stars as SFPD Inspector Dave Tosky, the real police officer in charge of the Zodiac investigation. Ruffalo was nominated for his performances in 2010's The Kids Are Alright, 2014's Foxcatcher, and 2015's Spotlight. He's an indie film darling who's appeared in such films as Shutter Island, Now You See Me, Dark Waters, and he's known primarily for playing Bruce Banner in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Another great actor on his you know top of his game in this movie.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah the
1: ensemble is insane yeah it's absurd <laughs> it's not yeah it's like
0: unfair you
1: know <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those where you're like fuck man you know just everybody's perfect <laughs> you,
0: I, I could go it could go on for eight
1: hours and i just be like yeah,
0: yeah sure yes yeah, it keep yeah. going yeah. it's
1: two and a half hours long and it does not feel like no. two and a half hours uh, yeah, it no. flies by I, it, yeah i agree <laughs> Oscar nominee Robert Downey Jr. plays jaded journalist Paul Avery, who similarly becomes obsessed with the Zodiac to the point where it destroys his career. Downey was nominated for his roles in 1992's Chaplin and 2008's Tropic Thunder. His career has had a wild ride worthy of its own Weird Shit Wednesday. He imploded after a massive drug problem got him kicked off Ally McBeal and forced him into rehab, where he got his life together and struggled to rebuild a respectable career. Zodiac was one of his films on the comeback trail before 2008's Iron Man turned him into a superstar and he hasn't looked back. And he's one of the few people who really deserves his success as he's been to Rock Bottom and crawled his way back. Yeah. Which is pretty and admirable. This is, a, this is a big part of it. Yeah. Zodiac's a big part of it. He, he's
0: he's act, he's really acting in this, you know? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, this is the first first thing he did where you're like, whoa, like he's got something, you know? Like, I think Iron Man one. There's some moments where like he's really funny, but I don't. Th- I think it's later down the line when he really figures out his Tony Stark. Oh, I agree. And he, like really captures it. and He just becomes, you know, just this icon later on. He really fucking wowed me in Chaplin though. I- yes, oh, yeah. Chaplin's great. And-, and-, and I was gonna say oh nine Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, very entertaining. Him and Jude Law, great chemistry. He had a hell of a stretch. And he just yeah, he just brought Rock, it. He just yeah. got right back into it. And I-, I just I- I'll always look at you know I'll point out Zodiac because you know of course people are gonna say Iron Man, but it's like. Uh, but a year before, he was in a film that was, you know, very strong. And he's acting alongside some
1: other people that I, that we love, you know? I think at the time it was a hell of a gamble for David Fincher to take a risk hell yeah. by hiring Robert Downey Jr. Hell yeah. I mean, you know, at the time he was still the, the nut job mm-hmm. who had a massive drug problem, got himself kicked off a massive TV show, and had no prospects.
0: Yeah, and guess what? He's going to play a yeah journalist who has a drinking problem.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, <laughs> it's a, it's, he's a, it's amazing. It's a really good performance. I personally, like, I think it's like a crime that he wasn't up for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, like he's he's amazing in this. This movie
1: should have been up for Cinematography. All kinds adaptive of stuff. Screenplay it was like ten. Yeah, it's really down.
0: crazy when you look back at sometimes they just completely miss movies because you know some stuff will get yeah Cinematography or or one one tick here or there but just nothing for Zodiac.
1: Like how? Mm. <laughs> what? It's like it's really yeah. It's just it's a, a classic. Yeah. It's a shame. It happens. Yeah. Anthony Edwards plays Toski's partner, Bill Armstrong. Edwards was known for his lead role in ER, as well as for playing Goose in Top Gun.
0: Yes. And he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. As I've watched it over and over, I, you know, he's someone I've like, you know what? He's right there, right next to Mark,
1: Mark Ruffalo, like the whole movie, you know? He's, and he's holding his own. Yeah. He does really well. And while there are a lot of big names that pop up in this movie, like Brian Cox, yeah. Chloe Sevigny, Philip Baker Hall, and Donald Logue, There's only one more name I want to focus on right now. John Carroll Lynch plays Arthur Lee Allen. Lynch is a highly underrated character actor who has appeared in such films as Fargo, Face-Off, Gothica, Gran Torino, Shutter Island, Crazy Stupid Love, The Invitation, and The Founder, as well as numerous appearances on big shows like American Horror Story, The Walking Dead, The Americans, and The Drew Carey Show, among others. He's a favorite here at Filmgasm, and he deserves high praise for his consistently brilliant performances Uh, indeed (laughs) indeed he is in my top 10 favorite character actors of all time and he is fucking scary as arthur lee allen in this movie
0: this is this is my favorite work of his yeah he he, he's he brings the movie to a different level yes uh like you said of of dark
1: a different level of yeah just scaring the piss out of you you're like oh that guy and you're not even sure if he's the guy nope that's the scariest part of this like he could not be just when he does the you know
0: you're like oh no, you know he swings his leg and everything he does. You're like this guy, I. And it's all it's all Carol Lynch's work.
1: It's For all me, him. it's when he says when he's they're being he's in he's being interviewed at his work and he just goes like, oh, and I had knives. I, I want that to be known. Yeah, like, I was hunting. I was, yeah. yeah, I was hunting the chicken. Like why would you bring that up? The <laughs> f- they didn't ask. No. Oh no, dude. Oh, my God. Ugh. Zodiac has an IMDb score of seven point seven and a Rotten tomato score of eighty nine percent. It was touted as a financial failure, earning only $84 million on a budget of $65 million, But it's since become a cult hit and is regarded as one of the best true crime movies ever made. Because it is. <laughs> Indeed. And let's go into the plot of Zodiac. Let's do this. So the film starts on July 4th, 1969, with the second Zodiac murder. Uh, Darlene Farron and Mike McGough are at a lover's lane in Vallejo. And it's a great horror movie start to this movie. Because it's, you know, it's the couple making out at, you know, make out point or whatever. Yeah, and you're yeah. being stalked by some monster, you know, on the radio. Uh, it's like, oh, crazy killer has escaped from the... Fuck. It's every campfire story. Yeah. But it really fucking happened. Yeah. It's, this is where the campfire story came from. <laughs> exactly. <sighs>
0: exactly.
1: So they're, you know, they're hanging out in their car. She, she's cheating on her husband with this young guy. And a car comes... In like they're completely alone, and this car passes them, stops for a little bit, keeps driving. turns off. Drives My, off. Mike asks Darlene, "Like, do you know that guy?" And she just goes, uh, "Don't worry about it." And
0: he says, "He's like, no, I saw that car, Mister Eds, which yeah. is
1: where they first were." He's
0: realistically
1: worried. He realizes yeah, somebody's sure. following them
0: for sure. But and she
1: shrugs it off. Yeah. But it's it's clear in that scene she knows this guy. Yes. This is not the first time. It's more of an annoyance to her than it is a, a scare. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. He drives out of sight and you think, oh, okay. And then he turns around <laughs> and he comes back and he pulls up right behind them, high beams on. And he comes out of the driver's side with a flashlight. Like He looks like a cop. So Mike is immediately, you know, he starts taking out his ID and he's like, it's oh man, he, you really scared he really us. really there. scared us. And then he puts, he just starts shooting the car up. <laughs> yeah. Kills Darlene and Mike survives amazingly. And hurdy-gurdy man starts playing yeah. very intensely. And the killer, he calls 911 and says, I want to report a double murder on uh, up by uh, Vallejo, Lover's Lane. I'm also the guy who killed those two people uh, on 4th of July. Yeah. And he does this really creepy goodbye. Yeah. Which apparently Zodiac really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this movie is incredibly accurate. Goodbye. And who, of course, David Fincher would be accurate. The yes. details do not escape David Fincher. Not at all. Oof. Four weeks later, a letter written by the Zodiac arrives at the San Francisco Chronicle, and there's also an encrypted cipher, and the news. And he demands the newspaper print his letter on page one, or he's going to murder a dozen people over the weekend. And we meet Paul Avery. He's a crime reporter who is a very Robert Downey Jr. like character. Yeah, he reminds me, if Tony Stark was a reporter, this is who he would Yeah, it's, yeah. There's yeah. just certain snarkiness that Robert Downey Jr. cannot avoid with when he does his thing. And I love it. <laughs> he begins to investigate this, and the cartoonist, Robert Graysmith, immediately is like, what is this? It becomes his secret obsession. He becomes, you know, it consumes his whole life, Eventually. And the encryption does get cracked by a history teacher in Salinas, but there are leftover letters that are deciphered. I almost thought that was weird. It makes me think, like, I think he used two ciphers. I think there's the cipher that with the message, and then there's the second cipher down here. I think he really did put his identity in, the, in there. Yeah, me too. But yeah, they yeah. didn't crack that part. No. <laughs> Ooh, I just, I just solved the case. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome.
0: <laughs> Oof. Would you really work for the Vallejo PD or the San Francisco uh, newspaper? I'd work for the Chronicle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'd still, I'd be a journalist over it being like a detective of some sort. Or I never know. seem to see, like, it never seems like any work's getting done. The Chronicle. Oh, Everyone's just fawning over the Zodiac letters. Nobody's doing any copy. And there's Nobody's so doing many
0: guys work. there. Yeah. Like in one room, like trying <laughs> to figure this
1: shit out. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so the Zodiac signs every letter with, what, with this logo. This uh, circle with a cross in between. It looks like a gun yeah. sight. Yeah, yeah. Zodiac killer strikes again in September of 1969 in what is probably the, the darkest, scariest part of the movie, where he takes out this couple, Brian Hartnell, Cecilia Shepard, in the middle of the day, wearing a black hood with that logo on it, on his chest. He got he pulls out a gun, says he recently escaped from a jail in Montana, and he's not afraid to go back. He hog ties him. Gets him on their back and then just stabs the fuck out of them. It's so brutal. But but the guy rolls over pretty quick. In the movie, I don't know if that was accurate. If he just he offers to write him a check.
0: Yeah, which was weird. He's like, "You got my yeah." He's like, "You know, take everything." Yeah, he's like, "I have money. I have money." Yeah, I'll give you. Yeah. And, and, And even then, his girl like doesn't really say like, "What are you doing?" You know, she goes with it. Yeah, because yeah, she's terrified. They're both freaked the fuck out. Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, that figure. Oh, man. God, what a frightening, frightening image and scene that is, like you said, in the middle of the day by, like, just a lake. And you're just like, oh, this is just supposed to be a peaceful spot. You know, it, turned, it turned to the exact opposite of that. It's just crazy.
1: Well, in real life, they were uh, old flames who reconnected and went to the lake. So they were they hadn't yeah. seen each other for a while. And they went to go... Have a romantic time, yeah. And this motherfucker showed up and destroyed their lives. Well,
0: yeah, I said no, you're not. Yeah, <sighs> Jesus, ridiculous.
1: Cecilia, the girl, she dies. Brian survives. Zodiac sends another letter to the Chronicle, where he calls Man the most dangerous game of all. He's hunting people. Yeah, he car. Um, he writes you know, on the on their car like the Zodiac, and like a bunch of weird shit. Uh, Robert Graysmith... He recalls that line is from the, the book, the most dangerous game and the movie where rich people, this rich guy flies in a bunch of people to hunt on his private Island. Cause he's gotten tired of hunting wild game and man is the smartest, most dangerous animal on the planet. So why not hunt that? It's a really brilliant story.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's
1: wild. They were going to make another version of that last year, but it got pulled after a shooting. Uh, remember that? Yeah. 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 I don't yeah. remember what it was called. But it looked cool. Dennis was in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after that, San Francisco, ugh, San Francisco cab driver Paul Stein is shot and killed. And that's when we meet Detective Dave Toski and his partner Bill Armstrong who are assigned to the case. Yes. And they look into this and it's weird because the way the Zodiac did it, they don't know it's the Zodiac at the time. But... There's, like He would have been covered in blood, but he didn't leave any blood. He goes into the front seat to grab something. We later find out it's a piece of the guy's shirt. And the wrong description goes out over the police scanner of looking for a black man. And these two cops see a stocky white guy walking down the street without a care in the world. And they don't stop him because they were supposed to be looking for a black guy. Yeah. And that really happened too. Fuck!
0: Insanity. Uh,
1: they could have caught this guy if the, somebody had gotten the, the damn description right. right. Yeah. Mm. Shortly after this, Chronicle gets another Zodiac letter with a piece of the cab driver's shirt. The Zodiac says in this letter he's going to possibly blow the tires out on a school bus and pick the children off. Whew! And that's when Toski and Armstrong start talking to other detectives from different counties and start putting this Zodiac puzzle together. Yeah. Ugh. And the SAPD was able to get a partial print on the cab, a print that they would never be able to use. They would never connect it to anybody. But I, and that made me think, you know, especially with Alan, who was uh, reportedly almost a genius on his IQ scale. There's no, it's not outside the realm of possibility to think he couldn't fake a handwriting test. And that thumbprint might've been, you know, some cop leaned against the, the car. Cause this was at a time when DNA evidence was not, that mainstream yet, yeah, He's not yeah, huge. That's true. So they could have fucked up, and I think they did fuck up. I am, I, I, would bet my life Arthur Lee Allen was a Zodiac killer. Me too. And I'm that convinced. Me too. And Toski is too. <laughs> oh yeah, like everyone should be. <laughs> yeah. And even if he wasn't, he was still a fucking pedophile and a and a monster. So hate him. <laughs> Best case scenario, he only touched some kids. <laughs> So, yeah, a fucking monster, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oof. So, they did find a partial, but a ranger accidentally destroyed one of the crime scenes, so they weren't able to get anything from that, but they did find Wingwalker boot prints, which are these, like, rare military boots you can only get at a PX, which you can only shop at if you have military ID, which, uh... Lee was ex-Navy, so... Of course. Yeah, put that in the pile. <laughs> Armstrong try, uh, tries to get an interview with Michael McGough, the survivor of the second uh, killing, but he skipped town. He got the fuck out of there pro- for good reason. This was the most horrifying thing that ever happened to him. I wouldn't want to stay in California either. <sighs> and they don't find him till the 90s. I know. It's crazy. Insanity. Again, that really happened. <laughs> There's like very the only thing that's slightly exaggerated in this movie is the friendship between Robert Graysmith and Paul Avery. Yeah, that's not really that true. That they need that for thematic effect. Yeah. I get that. Well, and it's like, hey, uh, let's use Gyllenhaal and Downey. Yeah. yeah, you take two actors who have just who are oozing natural charisma, and you don't yeah. combine that charisma. <laughs> of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <Ooh. clears throat> so it's it's you know it's tough to get. Different cop, different jurisdictions to work together on a on a massive crime like this. That that's one of the things that halts a lot of big uh, high profile murders getting solved is you know that diction crap as the matrix once said. <laughs> God, every cop wants to be the the agency in charge, and that that shit always you know dominates what should be important. Yeah, and that definitely happened with the Zodiac murders. They don't have a lot of places don't have a fax machine, so they have to mail the evidence. (laughs) So Paul Avery and Robert Graysmith, they start questioning the Zodiac's motives. They start talking like, why did he kill a cab driver? It doesn't match with the other victims. And they think that he's trying to break his pattern so that the cops can't find one, which is pretty brilliant and would later be used in a, another horror movie that we're going to do eventually, one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen, The Poughkeepsie Tapes. Yes. Which is a very—it's about a serial killer who has no pattern. He just kills to fuck with people. Oof. Zodiac reminded me a bit of that. Soon after that, the Zodiac, or at least someone claiming to be him, requests to call into an early morning talk show and speak with celebrity lawyer Melvin Belli, played by the awesome Brian Cox. <laughs> can't believe that. The audacity. Like, hey, I want to talk to this lawyer. I'm the Zodiac Killer. Do you think it really was him? That part, I don't... I don't know. I'm not sure. Even in the movie, you know, where where, uh, the voice seems a little off, but I'm not... Yeah, Brian Hartnell says it wasn't him. The guy guy was a lot more calm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes sense to me. For sure, yeah. There's one thing this guy wasn't. It was nervous. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) He knew exactly what he was doing. So... A deep-voiced guy calls into the, into the show to talk to Mar- uh, Melvin, calls himself Sam, and he gives... Uh, Melvin asks to meet him at this coffee shop, or, not church, and everyone fucking goes straight to the church. Like, did they really think that was going to work? Like, even Melvin's like, wow, you boys really know how to hold a secret meeting. <laughs> what would have been smart is have keep Sam on the line and then talk to him when the cameras go out and say, meet me here and yes. then have cops quietly come in and you might've gotten somewhere. I mean, they wouldn't, they didn't cause the call came in from mental hospital. Yes. But the point is they could, they should have done this better cause if this really was the Zodiac. They would have fucked it up. <laughs> Oof. So yeah, Brian confirms that was not the voice that he heard at Lake Berryessa. Then we get another letter to the Chronicle taunting the cops and including a fucking blueprint for a bomb. And after this, Paul and Robert start talking about their interest in this and they start palling around, go to the local bar, Morty's. They have a whole bunch of those blue drinks. I thought was funny.
0: This I cannot ignore anymore. (laughs) You wouldn't wouldn't if you tried it. (laughs) And then they're just both chugging that shit down. I love it. Uh, that's that is a classic scene great classic i i would love nothing more than to actually do that with those two guys just get flat out wasted with (laughs) with robert
1: and jake Uh. so so, uh while at the uh while at the bar gray smith starts talking about his love of puzzles and how he's been trying to decipher this code and he he says he found several different codes included in the letters including one That is called the Zodiac Alphabet. And Paul's like, oh my God, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Zodiac sends a letter to Melvin Belli in Christmas of 69 and called him, but got his housekeeper, which is amazing. She was so like, oh yeah, I talked to him. (laughs) So casual about it. And he said, like, I'm looking for Melvin. She's like, oh, he's not here. He's like, oh, I have to kill today. It's my birthday. He slipped. And that was on December 18th which happened to be fucking Arthur Lee Allen's birthday. So, put that in the pile. Yeah. (laughs) The pile is beginning to be a mountain. Yeah, Jesus. (laughs) I really wish they would have gotten this guy in a courtroom. I know, man. (sighs) I know. (laughs) The Chronicle soon decides to stop publishing the letters because Paul starts calling the question how truthful the Zodiac is because apparently he starts taking credit for murders he likely didn't commit just to stir up more fear. And uh, Paul also says that the gunsight symbol on the letters appears to have been taken straight from the Zodiac brand of wristwatch, which is likely where the guy got his name. A watch we know Arthur Lee Allen had. Yes. And that Paul writes a number of bad stories about the Zodiac, calling him a latent homosexual, and that's when Zodiac takes a personal interest in him and sends him a letter along with a piece of the cab driver's bloody shirt. Oof. it's not good when a serial killer singles you out if you've seen Red Dragon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I know just
0: singles you out but um, personally tries to freak the shit out of you with sending you an object, you know.
1: Yeah, man. Fuck. So Paul attempts to uncover more about Zodiac. He's obsessed now. He needs to know who's doing this shit now that the guy's after him. Yeah, he's involved now, yeah. So he meets with an unspecified source in Riverside and around this time uh, Robert goes on a date with this girl, Melanie, played by Chloe Semine, who, whose character is kind of underwhelming, I'm going to admit. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. Like, she, the their first date, he goes to check on Paul meeting a Zodiac source, and later on, when they get married, she's upset that he's still obsessed with the Zodiac. Like, she knew what she was getting into here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never understood, yeah, that
0: she or he... Them two, as a couple, like didn't yeah, that communications out there. It's like obviously, yeah, like you said before they even got yeah, when they're on their first date.
1: This like, is who he was. Yeah, like there was never a lull in the relationship where he wasn't obsessed with the Zodiac. Yeah, this exactly. Has yeah. Always been who he was. Ugh, it's like in those movies where, you know, the she they get married when he's a cop, and then like ten years down the line, she's pissed that he's a cop. Like, you married a cop. Yeah. <laughs> like, That always pisses me off in movies, and that happens so much. Yep. (laughs) So Paul believes he's found evidence of Zodiac's first victim, and this sends Dave Tosky and Armstrong to Riverside to investigate this. And while the evidence does seem similar, they rule it out being an exact match. Uh, Philip Baker Hall's handwriting expert, Sherwood, says, like, no, it's not. But Paul's stories convince the public, and this pisses Tosky off big time. Because now, there's very little chance of catching him. Because everyone's going to be saying, you know, oh, I know the Zodiac. This, my neighbor's got to be the Zodiac. Oh, it's my stepdad. Shit like that, you know? Oof. So, yeah. Paul's article sends a bunch of nuts to Toski's front door. But of all the interviews, they meet this guy, Donald Cheney, who tells him about his old fishing buddy, Lee, who claimed that he was going to kill a bunch of people and call himself the Zodiac. Yeah. Which is pretty good. Pretty damn it. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I. it's
0: just, it's mind-boggling even when you just talk about yeah. it. The amount of stuff that points
1: towards. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cut off a lady's skin and call myself Buffalo Bill. Like, oh shit, we should probably keep that in my back pocket. I might want to tell somebody about that someday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. So Toski, Armstrong, and uh, Molinax one of the uh, local PD guys, Go to question Arthur at his place of work, and he is immediately the creepiest son of a bitch. He's already, at this point, he's been uh, let go from his teaching gig for touching kids. So he's already a creep. And he doesn't really give them anything. They got nothing on him, and he knows it. And he goes back to work, but now they're all convinced this dude's got something to do with it. He gives off a guilty-as-fuck vibe. (laughs) And they interview the guy's brother who gives them handwriting samples. And uh, he says they don't talk anymore after what happened. Yeah. I wouldn't talk. Yeah, if I had a brother, I wouldn't talk to him either after that shit. But they go through the letters. Again, no handwriting connection. But Cheney says that Lee is ambidextrous. And if that's the case, then he could easily fake this test. Hell yeah. But also, the way R- uh, Lee spells Christmas with two S's in his letters is exactly how Zodiac spells it. And that's not normal. That is a very weird way to spell Christmas. Weird yeah. enough that it should be in the pile. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Add it to the pile. <laughs> Oof. The Lee pile. Yeah. So Tosi gets a warrant. They check Arthur's trailer. And they find a whole bunch of weapons, but nothing to tie him to any of the Fuck, Zodiac. Fuck, that
0: scene is creepy as hell.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I wouldn't step foot in that trailer. No. Lee shows up while they're ransacking his place, and Dave's just like, hey, Lee. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Ugh. They don't find anything, because Lee got nervous after they investigated him the first time, and he dumped all of his, you know, the, the guy's shirt and everything that could have connected him. Fuck. They should have gone for the warrant first. Yes. Mm. Never clue the bad guy in that you're onto them. <laughs> yeah, his prints don't match the one they found in the cab either. And we, uh, this guy kind of gets put in the back burner until later on in the movie. So uh, Toski and his wife go to see Dirty Harry trying to unwind. But for those of you who've seen Dirty Harry, the bad guy in that is the, the uh, Scorpio killer who is based on Zodiac. So I'm sure that didn't help. <laughs> After it ends, Dave meets uh, Robert in the lobby. And Robert tells Toski, like, you're going to catch him. Don't worry. And Toski's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Four years later, 75, Graysmith is remarried. He married Melanie. And he has a new baby. Paul has lost his job, gone to work for the Sacramento Bee. Yes. And he's a drunk now. Dave is thrown for a loop when he te- um, his partner tells him he's quitting homicide. He's going to get a transfer because this all, this all really messed with him sad and throughout yeah, it is yeah. and,
0: and, and honestly
1: the movie you're like fuck is this about to end like what are we doing no, but it's just taken off oh no yeah there's so yeah. much more yeah through all this time zodiac has been silent and robert goes to visit paul and they want he tells him he wants to write a book about zodiac and robert's hopes are dashed when paul tells him that he doesn't have anything on the zodiac he got rid of all of it and he tells robert stop it's going to consume you like it consumed me. Don't do this anymore. Let it go. Then Robert goes to talk to Dave Toski. Toskey says he can't help him, but he does say, go find Ken Narlo in Napa. And Narlo lets Robert look through the Napa police's evidence on the Darlene Farron mike McGough case. Robert tells Toski that Darlene seemed to have a lot of admirers, and it's possible that the Zodiac was one of those admirers. As you know, like Hannibal Lecter said, how do we start? We covet. We covet what we know. He was crazy, but he was right. Yeah. Nice <laughs> bottle of Chianti. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> there were suspicious phone calls and heavy breathing. And uh, Darlene had a paint party, which is pretty bullshit. You just invite all your friends to come paint your house. Yeah, if I ever did that shit, I would have a lot less friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But um, one of these, possible one of these, you know, one of these guys who came to the paint party was the Zodiac. So uh, Robert starts trying to find Darlene's sister, who might have known this guy. Toski also recommends he talk to Melvin Belli. Robert pays the lawyer a visit and talks to the housekeeper, where he learns Zodiac talked to her and re- revealed December 18th, the birthday. <laughs> so, around this time, Robert gets a call at home from a man who claims he knows the Zodiac, says his real name is Rick Marshall, and a man named Bob Vaughn has film canisters with evidence showing that Rick Marshall is the Zodiac killer. And this whole thing was so weird because it it likely wasn't anything. But like, why was this here? It's good. It's a damn good scene. It's a damn good scene, but, but I don't know. It's such a red herring.
0: I, I I think I'll say uh I you know, this isn't for sure. Just from my from my perspective watching it a bunch, I think that's showing the links uh, that Graysmith's willing to go to.
1: True, but I mean, like, I get why he's involved like he's doing this, but why is the guy calling him to tell him I know the zodiac?
0: Oh, that yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a whole another I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. This it's it's a little strange, yeah. So Robert goes to talk to Sherwood Morrill about the fingerprints and handwriting samples during this. Sherwood tells him a man named Wallace Penny told him that a guy named Rick Marshall was a zodiac. Yeah. And Robert's like, Oh, that guy called me too. Back at the SFPD, Toski is called in when the apartment receives another Zodiac letter, the first in four years. However, some people think Toski forged it, which is crazy, and he gets kicked off the force for that, for suspicions. That's bullshit. Mm. Robert attempts to talk to him, but Dave refuses to answer any questions about Rick Marshall. Robert then goes to Napa, talks to Ken Narlo. Narlo tells him how he had interviewed Rick Marshall. He was his favorite suspect. But he was never able to get fingerprints of handwriting sample or the handwriting samples from him. So, Rick, I mean, uh, Robert gets a hold of Wallace Penny's number, calls him and says, like, what the hell's going on here? And Wallace gives him one of uh, a movie poster that he claims Rick drew up. Robert takes it to Sherwood, who says, oh, yeah, this is the closest I've ever seen. Which, again, is weird because Rick didn't even draw that one. That was Bob. Is Bob the Zodiac? Like, was Robert smart to get the fuck out of that house? Ah. So at this oh point. Oh, God.
0: Yeah. That <laughs> when he comes back uh, the with the light, you know, he turns the light off. And then Robert's like, you know, I'm trying to open the door. And he turns around. And he's right there. And he's like, it's locked. Oh, man. And he goes right by him. And you're like, oh, he's going to stab him. He's going to stab him. And he just opens the door. <laughs> Hey, Robert sprints yeah what a brilliant <laughs> that, that seemed like a standalone scene that it's a very strong like scary spooky frightening all of the above you know just unsettling
1: oh yeah it's great so at this point this is all this is Robert's life he is not thinking about anything else he's not taking mm-hmm. care of anything else he loses his job at the Chronicle uh, his, Melanie takes the kids and leaves afraid that the Zodiac's gonna come after them someone's also been calling Robert breathing heavily and hanging up. So it's safe to say, Zodiac knows Robert's onto him. Robert continues trying to track down Darlene Farron's sister, Linda, but also inquires, talks to Bob Vaughn, the the guy who has the uh, film film info. He said Rick Marshall was a theater projectionist a long time ago, but when Robert brings up the posters, Bob's like, no, I drew the posters. And Robert's immediately, immediately like, oh, you, you drew the posters? I better go. <laughs> and Bob's like, no, no. I got everything I need to tell you about this in the basement. <laughs> it's set up so well. <sighs> and Robert's immediately like, not a lot of people have basements in California. He's like, I do. And then goes downstairs. Yeah, yeah, immediately. Like, yeah. And through all, the, you know, obviously Robert gets the fuck out of there as fast as he can. Yeah, it's creepy as hell. Yeah. Robert then goes to visit Darlene's sister, Linda, who's in prison. Yes. Robert asked her what a, about a painting party he heard of and. Uh, where there was a man who made Darlene feel uneasy. Robert's convinced that this was Rick Marshall, but Linda says, it wasn't a guy named Rick. And then as he's leaving, she goes, oh yeah, it was Lee. What? Oh, dude, I was like, oh, Yeah, man. Ugh. Wait, it was Lee. So- yeah, because yeah,
0: you got Graysmith like, it was Rick, right? It was Rick. Yeah. She's like, no, that's definitely not his name. Yeah. And then wait a minute. Yeah. It's uh, interesting
1: because she could have just shut him up and be like, yeah, it was Rick. Yeah. But no, she remembered it was not Rick. Yeah, it was, it was Lee. Lee. Yeah, it was Lee. Ugh, creepy. So now Robert's like, oh, fuck. Arthur Lee Allen is the guy. And he goes straight to Dave's house in the middle of the night. And Dave's just like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Like, he's so pissed. He's like, go away. And then Rob just goes, it's Arthur Lee Allen. And Dave's, he opens the door. He's like, come on in. Like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Finally. So they You're go like, you know, finally,
0: they're on the same yes. team!
1: <laughs> so they go to a diner, and Robert points out a number of things that could possibly link Arthur to the Zodiac murders. But Dave says it's all circumstantial. Some even suspected Zodiac was someone Darlene may have known, and Arthur lived less than 50 yards away from her place of business. And Dave, his reaction to that is like, oh my God, how did we miss that? It's, ah, oh, so good. So... Well, Dave says, like, all of this is circumstantial. Without DNA or handwriting, we can't tie anything to Lee. But you need to finish the book. It's the best thing you can do right now. Then we go to December of 1983, where Robert walks into a hardware store in Vallejo and finds himself face-to-face with Arthur Lee Allen. No words are exchanged, but there's a look there. Robert's looking at him like, I know who you are. Baker Street playing in the background. (laughs) Yeah, and Robert just leaves. Genius. Eight years later in 1991, Mike Mago is finally found, meets with authorities, and they show him a number of mugshots and say like, do you recognize any of these men? And without hesitation, he points at Arthur Lee Allen's picture and says, that's the man. That's the guy who shot me. Fade to black. (laughs) In the closing credits, we're giving the following info. Arthur Lee Allen died of a heart attack in 1992 before he could be questioned further by the police. A DNA test conducted in 2002 did not match a partial sample gathered from one of the Zodiac letters. But who's to say that was his DNA on the letter? Yeah. That might have been some reporter who touched the letter. hmm Dave Tosky retired from the San Francisco Police Department in 1989 and was later cleared of the charges that he had forged the 78 Zodiac letter. Good.
0: Yeah, thank God.
1: Paul Avery passed away in December of 2000 from pulmonary emphysema. Robert Graysmith still lived in San Francisco with his children. The mysterious phone calls he received also ended around the same time that Arthur Lee Allen died. Good lord. Put it on the pile. Put it on the fucking pile. How much more? Yes. Arthur Lee Allen was the fucking Zodiac Killer. It's not... There's so much coincidence. It's
0: weird. Well, and then that that, that final... That that shot of, you know... Of Graysmith looking at him, like just eye to eye, that menacing look, you know, just like, yeah, I, hear I am. I'm not afraid of you, you know, and just kind of like,
1: which was stupid. He shouldn't have done that. Very stupid, but it's, <laughs> but it also,
0: it also is to, you know, to Graysmith is like, this, this has been my life, you know, I need, I need to see this guy. I need to see what he looks like. I need, I need to know he was driven, you know, he's driven into a different place. I mean, have you read the book? I, want, I have not. I uh, want to get the book. I, I don't have my own copy, but yeah, I've, I've read it. Uh,
1: my brother has the copy, and we both read it, you know.
0: And it, it, oh, my gosh. You know. I just picked
1: up Mindhunter. Nice. I, I love reading true crime books. There you go. I'm going to read that next, but I am going to check down Zodiac. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Fascinating. Well, let's get into some film guys and facts. Number one, the Zodiac case was reopened after the release of the film. And still nothing. Because... He died in 1992. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> Number two, Robert Downey Jr. was so unaccustomed to the experience of both David Fincher's multiple takes and the process of filming digitally that he rebelled against David for, quote, having no time to get my shit together in my trailer by hiding mason jars full of his piss on set. Weird way to rebel, Rob. Uh, <laughs> don't know why you did that. You lose some points right, right? in my book for that one. Agreed. Uh, okay. I bet, the, I bet the cast and crew love that. <laughs> Number three. George Lucas gave an interview to Empire Magazine once, stating that the Zodiac murders captured his imagination at the time as a high schooler and a then college student at USC, and he always felt like Toski was harshly judged for how the investigation was handled. He explained this is why he named a location on Tatooine... Tashi Station, in honor of the SFPD inspector in Star Wars. It's a place where Whiny Luke wants to go to get some power converters. Got him in her. Number four. South Korean film director Bong Joon-ho has classified David Fincher's film as a masterpiece, writing that, quote, there was really nothing to find fault with about it, down to the cinematography, art direction, and action. So this is one of Bong Joon-ho's favorite movies. Yes,
0: I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh my god. When you hear someone you love or respect... Say that about something you already respect and love. Oh, that's so dear. You know, that's it's amazing. Wonderful. That, is, that is... I thought you'd fucking dig that. That is terrific. <laughs> Bong is the man. If you didn't know, he made Parasite. Yes.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. He's great. What a guy. Yeah. So I give Zodiac a solid nine.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a... Yeah.
1: Fantastic true crime <laughs> biopic that doesn't stray from the facts and tells the story as it really happened with very minor embellishments. That's rare for a story yeah, like this. For sure. And, uh... Yeah, and I, you gave it ten, of course. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. I, I figured man. no less. <laughs> it's an eleven out of ten. It's one of those. <laughs> it's
0: one of those. Yeah, I just it's it's like in my. Mm, I we're making we're both making a list of like our favorite movies of all time, you know. And I just I, I have it way up there. It's like <laughs> in, it's like in the top ten of my favorite movies ever. It's it's in that. That upper that it's it's in tier one for me as a fan. Yeah, uh, definitely. But but it also is not just like uh, something that I have like a personal connection because you know there's those movies where you're like I I love this. Yeah, Zodiac is fucking good. It is good. And and, and you know I just want more people to see it. It yeah should have, should have been seen by more people. But it's on it's on Netflix right now. Yes, uh, It has been for quite some time. Uh, check it out. Go check it out if you haven't. Obviously, you know, hell yeah, it's, it's it's an awesome flick. Mm-hmm. And definitely look up the true story, because yes. it's,
1: it's a crazy story. Yeah,
0: it's one of those where you can kind of be up for like six hours, you know? and It's a, like kind a, of
1: finding out all kinds of It's an important shit. piece of American culture Yeah, that shouldn't get lost.
0: A- and it came at, excuse me, it came at a, a turning point in, in Hollywood, also. That's something that you and I th- think about and talk about a lot. Yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, uh, Tarantino's movie comes at the same time as this, you know, and. 1969, yeah. 1970. It's a winter. time when It's the turning
1: point. Yeah, yeah. when American culture was getting a lot more violent. Yes, and gritty, yeah. and things like you know the Manson murders happened in yes sixty-nine, and Zodiac murders were happening at the same time.
0: Yeah, That's just these two just miles apart yeah. in California. California
1: know? Know? in nineteen sixty-nine yeah. was the most dangerous place in the fucking
0: yeah. yeah. It was oh wild. My God. It was a, yeah, it was wild, and it was a turning point going into yeah you know <laughs> New Hollywood and all that. So, yeah, yeah, it's just
1: it, it's just so you it, had
0: movies like Dirty Harry.
1: Absorbing exactly. this
0: culture, exactly. Yeah, it, it is truly fascinating. It's
1: a gem, for sure, man. So, what do we got for Friday's bonus?
0: Friday's bonus. Oh man, my heart dropped as I think about it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna stick with the old boy Jake Gyllenhaal here. Uh, there's no other way for us to really talk about this film other than it being a bonus. Yeah. Um, also stars our man Heath Ledger, rest in peace. It's gonna be 2005, Brokeback Mountain by the mastermind Ang Lee. I cannot wait to talk about it yeah um yeah it's a very important movie very uh, important movie I, I it's you know it's it I feel very strongly about it like I do zodiac where I just have this just respect for it where I'm like wow like storytelling you know just at its finest uh, obviously a way different pace yeah and yeah. <laughs> and uh you know subject matter than zodiac but yeah I cannot wait to talk about that one it, it felt right for me uh to choose this just because like I said I what are the opportunities are we going to get to talk about Brokeback? Um, right here, I want to connect Jake Gyllenhaal. These are my two favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performances. It would be, you know, Robert Graysmith and then Jack Twist. So that's what we're doing.
1: Right on. Yeah. Fantastic. So what happened this week in film? <clears throat> Let's find out. First up, Monty Python comedian Terry Jones has died at age 77 from complications due to dementia. Ugh. He was one of the original founding members of the British comedy troupe. featuring in the sketch comedy series Monty Python's Flying Circus which ran for four seasons as well as the films Monty Python and the Holy Grail Monty Python's Life of Brian and Monty Python's The Meaning of Life he will be missed along with the death of Graham Chapman in 1989 this leaves John Cleese, Eric Idle Michael Palin and Terry Gilliam as the surviving members of Monty Python and Terry Jones was a funny fucking dude hell yeah (laughs) He's, uh, he's Brian's mom in uh, Life of Brian, yes, ah, <laughs> uh, so funny, shame. Next up, a big screen remake of the David Carradine series Kung Fu is on its way with Deadpool two director David Leitch taking the reins. I never saw Kung Fu, a little off, you know, put off by a very white guy dressed up as a very Shaolin monk, roaming the West, getting in hijinks. But I'm sure it's going to be awesome. I'm surprised it took them this long. It's one of those shows. Yeah, it, right. <laughs> I can't believe that, like, you know, the Honeymooners got a movie before <laughs> Kung Fu. <laughs> Next up, Hugo Weaving has announced that he will not be appearing in the upcoming Matrix 4 due to prior commitments with the play The Visit, which he will be appearing in for the National Theater with Leslie Manville. What a guy. But I think this is a good move, as it would undermine the end of the third movie by having Agent Smith appear once again. If he just constantly keeps coming back, it kind of ruins the point of the original three. Oh yeah, it loses its spunk, you know. You I mean, know. We're already bringing Neo back, and that's yeah. going to take yeah. some punch out of them. But as much as I would love to see Agent Smith again, I think this is a, this is a good move. Yeah, well, and
0: yeah, look, look at him. He's like, it's not like he's just sitting on his ass. He's doing, like, actual work, you know. Like, mm-hmm. He like, didn't yeah, say, like,
1: can't... no, I hate this franchise. He said, like, no, I made a commitment to a play. Sure. Like, it's, yeah, of course, yeah. That guy's, I love Hugo Weaving. He's, <laughs> he's one of my favorite he's actors. Human.
0: Yeah, yeah. God. He's, he's stellar.
1: Marvel has announced Captain Marvel 2, with Brie Larson set to return as Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel. It will likely be released in 2022. No word yet on who else will be returning, though Jude Law has not been very uh, secretive about his... He, he's coming back. He's probably coming back. Yeah, come on. To yeah. be honest here. Next up, Disney has announced a live-action remake of Bambi is in the works. No word yet on the director, the cast, or the release date. It's only a matter of time. They're well, going yeah, yeah, to I mean, do all of them. Yeah, they did fucking Dumbo, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. Bambi, though. Yeah, I know. I don't see it. I, I Admittedly, I haven't seen Bambi. But I just, it's one of those movies I don't really get how you do it again. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, we'll see. A reboot of the 1997 creature feature Anaconda is in the works at Sony. I don't know what they can do differently with a big snake movie, but I'm anticipating this to bomb pretty spectacularly. (laughs) And finally, and this just dropped today, Blumhouse is going to remake The Thing. But, hear me out, hear me out, this could be good, because they're doing it in a very interesting way. Okay. So... The Thing was... 1982, John Carpenter, The Thing, is being remade? Yes. Okay. The Thing was based on the John Campbell short story, Who Goes There? Uh Uh-huh. Recently, it was an unpublished novel of John Campbell's was discovered, titled Frozen Hell, which was basically an expanded version of that story. Sounds like it, yeah. And that is what's going to be the new movie. Okay. So they're not straight up remaking The Thing. They're adapting this other novel with similar qualities. So, meaning we'll be like on a broader scale, like more people, more characters probably? Maybe. I know nothing about it. Because the
0: thing, the reason I like it so much because it's fucking
1: here. It's right there. I, I I, really want them to do this right. I
0: know. If I'm you're going to do it at all, yeah. do it right. Well, yeah, you saw me. My head dropped when you said that. Just because it's one of those like, <laughs> oh no.
1: <laughs> yeah. But. But no, no, that's cool. Like, that's cool. That's a different, like, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. way I would do it is I would have, I would set it 20 years later, I would have, a new team go up to that research station like there's been, you know, it's been unha- unable to, the snow has been so bad they've been unable to get there. They finally get there and they find just a battle-worn, fucked-up McCready. Yeah. Who is like, I can't leave. It can't get out. You can't leave either. <laughs> you are infected now, possibly. You all have to die. And then the thing gets into them. Yeah. That's how I would do it. That'd be great. And I would obviously have Kurt Russell. But Oh, well, yeah. And I want like, you know, James Wan or Mike Flanagan to do this, that would so be cool. some some like yeah master. Give oh, at- it back to John Carpenter. Uh, He's some still master up. atmospheric guy. Yeah, yeah,
0: I yeah, know. I'm with you.
1: Yeah. If they're gonna do this, do it right, and that's that's the way they should do it. But I guarantee you, they're gonna fuck it up.
0: But I wanna hope that they. We'll don't. We'll see. We'll see. Halloween 2018 was awesome.
1: Yes, awesome. Yes, it was.
0: And I had a couple like, I was hesitant a little bit just because you know you're just like ah oh. it's Halloween. Well, it's the magic. Yeah, you don't want to fuck with the magic and. uh this, feel the same way about the thing. you know? Well, I'm
1: hoping that because that was such a success with the way they did justice mm. to Carpenter's story, yeah. they do the same with this. Well, and like, Carpenter was attached to it. He did the music, you know, yeah. yeah. So maybe, yeah. I, all right. If yeah. we read up that Carpenter's getting involved, then all my hesitation is yeah, going Yeah, yeah out me window. too, me too, <laughs> me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm immediately going to be like, this is going to fucking rock.
0: Well, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: And, well, we both feel so strongly about the thing. So it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's just hard. Well, that's all we got for this week, guys. A lot of real true horror coming at you this week. Next week, we go back to the 90s, back to the world of vampires, to Marvel Comics' first successful big screen movie and one of the most incredibly 90s movies ever made, 1998's Blade. One of the first horror movies I ever saw and a true cult classic if there ever was one. Yeah. Don't miss that next Wednesday, and we don't know what we'll be doing Sunday. May not have anything just to keep you on your toes, but regardless, stay tuned for Brokeback Mountain on Friday, and remember, they never caught the Zodiac Killer. So watch your back, just in case. Stay classy.